Hello and welcome. You are listening to Desperate Acts of Capitalism, a podcast about money, marketing, and how it all goes wrong. Join us on our magical journey through a wonderland of burning money. I'm Evan Swope. And I'm C.T. Kelly. All right, so do you want me to just jump in? Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, we should like right. we should like say like give an update on what's going on. Right. Yeah. So, welcome to Desperate Acts of Capitalism. Guess who's in quarantine? It's both of us separately. So uh, not together. Sadly. Yeah. So we're uh, so we're recording this at our, both of our respective houses using Discord's uh, call feature. Yeah. So the audio might be a little weird on this one. Yeah. Two separate audio qualities. So uh, don't be alarmed, dear listeners. Yes. All right. So let's just jump in. Let's uh, let's entertain these constrained masses. <laughs> yes. Give them what they want. <laughs> All right. Welcome to 1998. Monica Lew- Monica is in the news. The Unabomber pled guilty. Google.com is in its beta stages. Amazon still sells books. The best way to purchase something is via eBay.com, and even then, you only paid for things. The only way that you actually paid for things was you called, like, you called a number on the website, mm-hmm. and then uh, you had to read your credit card information out loud <laughs> to somebody working a phone bank. Right. It's so primitive. So I mean, it sounds hilariously primitive to us, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. So this was a furtive internet, a gray, blinking thing, unaccustomed to the light, and it was growing. The viability of e-commerce was becoming increasingly more attractive to everyone from businesses to governments to consumers. But more than anything, the new frontier of internet business was an unregulated playground for independent investors with a harebrained get-rich-quick scheme. This was the beginning of what we now know as the dot-com boom. Bum bum bum! Enter Charles Cohen, a man who looks like a 10% more Jewish John Oliver. A visionary. A man who aims to solve the greatest problem of 1998. So what do you think the uh, the greatest problem of 1998 is, Evan? Uh, people... People's download speeds for dot wave files are too slow. (laughs) Uh... I mean, that is a large problem, but no, you're incorrect, Evan. <laughs> As usual. It's the, fact, it's the fact that you can't use your reward points from a Safeway to buy products over at a Walmart. Ah, uh, of course. I've heard, right. I've heard the tales of the great woes of the late 90s. <laughs> my grandfather told me when he was a child he the, was not able great, to use uh, his, his Safeway points at uh, Walmart. The great Safeway point crash of 1998. And uh, Charles Cohen's solution? Beans. That's B-E-E-N-Z. <laughs> Beans. Beans. We just got a bunch beans. of beans for Nina. <laughs> what do I need these rewards points for? I got me beans. <laughs> got me beans. A I little, got me beans. A little English salt is all I need. Yes, just, just salt and cold beans. <laughs> just bean brine. Ah, uh, English cuisine. The model is deceptively simple. Beans.com would sell beans to web merchants for 0.1 cents each, so like for a cent. Hmm. Uh, Those web merchants would then reward customers with beans for doing, quote, e-work, 
i.e. making purchases, checking out a deal, or signing up for an account, mm-hmm. right? Essentially, like, rewarding customers for participating in the marketing, yeah. right? Uh, once the customer had farmed enough beans, they would be able to use these beans to purchase rewards from merchants, mm. who would then retire the beans back to beans.com for half a cent each, mm. right? So it's like a currency, so, almost. Almost, yeah. It's... Um, we'll get it, like we will definitely get into that because that's a huge part of this story. Mm. But it's like it's a one thing you have to remember going into this is that this is another one of these ideas that is a solid business model. Right. The they differ from a lot of our other episodes in that it's not a rich idiot with an insane idea. Yeah. It's a rich idiot with an actually good idea. Right. But it's just the execution and the trials and tribulations of the world that made it hard. And all these rich idiots with ideas, they're bound to stumble on a good one every now and then. Yeah, exactly. A bro- broken clock is broken clock is right twice a day. Exactly. Um, and this is a really interesting one because I'm not really sure if... Like, the jury is still out on whether or not Beans is actually a good idea. Mm. But what it is, is a solid business plan. Right. Right? Like, this is something you could absolutely sell to investors. Hmm. Um, so... Essentially, you could trade in rewards points from several stores for beans and then use the mm-hmm. beans to buy rewards from any participating store. It's like a sort of, you know, it's a, a sort of medium that you can turn all rewards points into. Right. That's oversimplifying it. Like centralizing um, the rewards kind of thing. Very much so. Very much so. Got it. So. Da-da-da-da. Uh, this provided a way of making transactions online that existed beyond conversion rates, international transaction fees, and because they were all managed by one company, a much lower risk of fraud, right? Yeah. Because credit card fraud was extremely easy to do right, yeah. on the internet yeah, back people then. People just like reading their numbers out loud on the phone. Right. Right. No, you know how they changed... Uh, I was talking to a guy at a coffee shop like a week ago mm-hmm. about how like credit cards don't have the raised numbers anymore. Right. And I was like, I was like, no, they made it easier to steal. It's like, what? How come? Well, because you can make a rubbing of them. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, I heard right? they, they like put those things in like the gas station swiping things. Like They'll like install those, like something to oh, like, yeah, capture yeah. the information. It's, like just the another, it's just a, another magnetic strip reader on top of the one that already exists, but mm. that doesn't have anything to do with the raised numbers. That's just like a thing that reads the magnetic strip. Right. It's, they're basically they're stacking a second credit card reader on top of the existing one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, uh, Cohen, along with his co-founder, Neil Forrester, who was on a season of, uh, who was on season four of MTV's The Real World, where he talked about dropping out of his psychology doctorate program to pursue his true love of being a goth punk vocalist, uh, branded it as, quote, the web's currency. So you're right on the money there. Nice. Literally. Yeah. Together, they raised uh, $1.8 million from angel investors, which is roughly $2.8 million nowadays. And Beans was off to the races. <laughs> and by angel investors, it was like they just asked like their wealthy relatives and got enough money together to make it $1.8 million. Right, like the, like the friends and family round, as they say. Right, exactly. Well, both of these guys went to Harvard. Yeah, <laughs> so they have rich friends and family. Yes, their first move was to relocate the head office from London to New York, as well as adding a second office in San Francisco to make deals with vendors in person. 
these efforts drew the attention of private equity firm Geffenor USA, who became their first serious investor, catapulting them to almost $100 million. Wow. Yeah, and allowing them to open an Asian division in 1999, eventually. Nice. Like, these guys really exploded. Like, they seriously were off to the races. Yeah. This could have been massive. Yeah. The header of Beans.com proudly touted the phrase, quote, It's like money, but better. It's like money, but beans. (laughs) What's what's this all this paper, then? I got me beans. (laughs) Don't touch me beans. (laughs) Get your filthy paper off me. Get away from me beans. The header of Beans.com was proudly touted as blah, blah, blah. It went on to say of Beans, quote, earn them online anywhere, save them in your personal account, and spend them online anywhere. Mm. This was a bit of an overstatement. Yes. <laughs> hey, repetition is all, all about marketing. It's true. This was a bit of an overstatement. While, yes, vendors were lining up to get their hands on some delicious, delicious beans, at this time... At the time this statement was made, the only vendor that could actually use beans was 21store.com, an online electronics retailer that went largely belly up in 2000. So two years later. Yeah. (laughs) Didn't have a long life ahead of it. Oh, but that was like the place to go for online electronics retailing Mm. back in 1998. Right. The hot spot. And so it was the hot spot. They got the good deals. Signing up for their rewards program earned you 100 beans, worth approximately 50 cents. Mm. Now, the thing here is, beans was extremely attractive to online retailers. Right. Back in 1999, back in 1999, most e-retailers were spending upwards of $20 a pop on every new customer acquisition, as well as losing money in the form of hiring people to manage their online purchases. Like, you got to hire people to stand at the phone banks and... Right. Like, listen to people say their credit card information yeah, to you right. all day. Oh, that sounds terrible. Just, like, right. hearing, like, five, eight, four, one, seven, and then, <laughs> for eight and hours. You, and then you plug it in and it doesn't work. Yeah. And you have to go, like, ma'am, I'm sorry, it's not accepting your credit card details. <laughs> all right, I'll start again. Four, one, five, two, eight, eight, seven, three. Ah, no more! All of this for beans. <laughs> but uh, there was also no easy way to track that sweet, sweet marketing metadata that everyone is so obsessed with now, yeah. right? The, the thing that everything, that any software tracks automatically now. Right. Return on ad spend kind of thing. Exactly. Well, it's like just like tapping into that GPS, figuring out where, like, what are people spending their money on, mm. you know? Invading people's privacy. Yeah. <laughs> the classic uh, thing people do nowadays. Yes. Like, something that's just assumed nowadays. Yeah. And so, Beans handled all of that for you, and for less than $5, possibly even cheaper, depending on how many beans the retailer had bought from beans.com, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, instead of having to sign up, like, do any sort of credit card stuff, you do all, do it all beans. It's all in beans. Right. But retailers are one thing. Consumers are something else. In 1999, Beans launched an enormous marketing campaign to sell consumers on the idea of this new legume-based internet currency. (laughs) Specifically, they used an enormous guerrilla marketing campaign, the brainchild of Beans marketing officer Nicholas DeSantis, who looks like Steve Buscemi mixed with Nicolas Cage. (laughs) 
and they they both already kind of look like each other anyway so it's just like per- right. perfecting the formula <laughs> the ideal man <laughs> the ideal man to sell us delicious beans the beauty standard of the 90s <laughs> you may not like it but this is what optimal performance looks like so beans quote, a beans army was recruited to visit cities in an almost, quote, parade-like fashion, often dressed as large red kidney beans, handing out candy and even slipping flyers into the pockets of passers-by. They were actually dressed as beans? Yeah, they were dressed as, like, big red beans. It's like, what do we use, what mascot do we use to sell beans? It's like, how about beans? What do you think, <laughs> idiot? <laughs> it's in the name, dumb. <laughs> What are you even thinking, you big dumb? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I loved I loved the detail of uh, slipping flyers into the pockets of passersby, like without their permission, yeah. right, or without their knowledge. They just like, the, like like an hour later, they just reached into their pocket, like what what the hell is this? Ah, beans. <laughs> it's not even a flyer; it's just a handful of raw kidney beans. Just a paper that says beans on it in big letters, right? Oh my god. I, but I love the idea of the Beans army showing up in your city yeah. and like causing mischief like a bunch of little fairy creatures. <laughs> Pillaging your village. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> G- committing committing whimsical reverse pickpocketing crimes. That's what comes out of the Google barge when it <laughs> arrives in your port. <laughs> right. The Beans <laughs> the army. The Beans army. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was a fun, goofy way to welcome cons- to welcome consumers into the new digital age of commerce. It was a fun send-off of the old plastic of yesteryear. Yeah. This wasn't money. It was something better. Yeah. It was beans. It was beans and it was good. <laughs> and the Lord saw that it was good and he declared, <laughs> there shall be beans. <laughs> and the Lord said, let there be beans. <laughs> and it was good. And there were beans. <laughs> The hype around Beans was real, so real that they managed to snag a partnership with MasterCard, lending some serious financial legitimacy to their plan. Right, that's, or, that's huge. Or, that was what they were desperately trying to convince the USFSA, <laughs> or United States Financial Authority. Yeah. Because see, here's the thing. Making a new currency, extremely illegal. Yeah. <laughs> Deeply illegal. Yeah. The ser- the sort of serious illegal that destroys global economies. <laughs> you know, like, okay, the Chinese invented paper money, but there's a big story about, like, how after Genghis Khan died, um, his one of his idiot sons, like, essentially bankrupted the entire country. And so he was like, oh, I'm going to do what these novel Chinese are doing, and I'm going to print my own money. And then he didn't know how money worked and didn't realize that you could just print money. And it only further bankrupted, it like double bankrupted his country. Yeah. yeah, it's always that like, why don't we just, you know, make our own money? It's right, like, exactly. You got to consider the wide ranging global economic consequences of what you're doing. Right. And so this is why this is why all of this is so heavily controlled. Right. Mm, yeah. Because like one mistake could ruin everything. Right. It could. Well, literally, it could crash the global economy. Yeah. It could it could majorly destabilize an enormous economy. Right, and that's that's very dangerous. But beans was different in two major ways. One, it could not be transferred between consumers, and it could not be bought directly from beans.com. Mm. Right. So, 
if you were another, you, the only way to get beans was through retailers, was through making purchases with normal money at retailers. Right. So people you, don't like stockpile beans and like try to like, you know, like trade them. Well, no, no. You could stockpile beans, but only by spending real money on products. Right. right. So, so you it's can't like get like every beans fi- from other people, from other consumers. Yeah. Got it. Right. So you could never, like, you, you couldn't, like, you know, use it for money laundering or, like, use it for drug deals like people do with bitcoins. Right. Got it. To consumers, beans was a new concern, was a new currency for the internet age. To the regulators, beans was a fun marketing device. Hmm. In 1999, Beans' London offices were raided by the police under suspicion of them being an unlicensed bank. Which they kind of were, I guess, right? Sort of, yeah. <laughs> like, under suspicion of them being an unlicensed... Like, the reason for this was that their website link was labeled Bank of Beans. <laughs> was now... Like, that was how users checked their balance. Yeah. You know, like... Uh, it was later... It was... The link was later renamed to My Beans. <laughs> I'm gonna go check all my beans. These chicks don't even know the name of my beans. <laughs> I call this one Eric. He's a good little bean. <laughs> he ain't say much, but he's got a big personality. <laughs> For a bean. Check they being small and whatnot. Check out our new podcast, Fake Cockney Accents, where we discuss <laughs> the world's events in fake Cockney accents. I, I love I love the I love this character that we've got of, like, a strange Cockney man that is obsessed with beans. Yeah. It's very dark. He's got some secrets under his floorboards, I'll bet. <laughs> it's mainly more beans. In August of 1999, another hurdle was encountered. Most retailers offered around 100 beans for a transaction, the equivalent of roughly $1. Mm. One retailer got a wild hair up their ass and started offering 100,000 beans per purchase, (laughs) roughly the equivalent of $1,000. Beans internal... Okay, go ahead, go ahead. um, So, like, were retailers able to just offer however many beans they wanted, or did they have to pay to get beans to offer people? They had to buy, yes, they had to pay for the beans up front from okay. Bean. Like, they had to buy beans from Beans.com. Got it. Um, and so, th- and that's part of the Beans.com's business model was it's it's all about what's called sink and float, or uh, mm. breakage and float, that was it. Got it. And basically, their Beans.com making profit relies on the amount of beans that are purchased, but then never redeemed. Okay. Right? That's where the majority of their profit comes in, because then they make a they make a cent per bean, as opposed to redeemed beans, which they only make half a cent on. Got it. Right. Um. So, beans internal wire fraud alarm triggered a little too late, and there was a run on the beans. <laughs> a run on the beans. <laughs> Four people died today on a run on the beans. Many more beans died. Countless so beans. Bean- <laughs> so beans.com declared these beans illegitimate, which uh, which deeply angered customers <laughs> and, and forced beans to tighten their controls on their beans. <laughs> the bean valves were tightened. 
<laughs> there's a big faucet at Beans Duck at Beans Headquarters that they open, and a bunch of a bunch of e beans come out. Lower the BSI. I think you know what that stands for. <laughs> beans per square inch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to help smooth things over, Larry Ellison, CEO of Oracle Technologies, helped push the company forwards with an additional $30 million, including $5 million of his personal money. Which Larry Ellison. If you're not if you're not in if you don't work with technology, uh Oracle is basically like they're the biggest company that makes servers. Right. Right. That's their they make servers and server technology. Having an for a tech startup, having the having backing from Larry Ellison would be like having backing from Bill Gates. Yeah. Right. He's one of like one of the biggest, if not biggest, names in that industry. Yes. Beans were everywhere. They were the next thing to conquer the internet. Damn near any internet retailer was offering beans. Like it was huge. Yeah. It's crazy that I've never heard t- of this. That it was so big. Well, i I heard a th- like I heard a little nugget of wisdom that um, the the period of history that you will know the least about is the twenty years directly preceding your birth. Ah, that's right? interesting. And right, and this is very near when both of us were born. Yeah, right. We were like two at this point. Right. Exactly. At the time. Bah, 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 never mind. Yes, at the time, the Beans offices looked to be typical Silicon Valley fare, looking more like something from a garish 1990s version of a man cave, complete with foosball, Pac-Man machines, and a full life-sized talking Yoda. <laughs> why? I, d- I don't know. Like, why would you want that in your office? Yeah, it's probably really distracting. Like, I'm sorry, we're going to have to let you go. Mmm! <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it would just go off randomly, like, in the middle of war. People just startling people. Right. <laughs> There's going to have to be some pay cuts this quarter. Do or do not! There is no try! I forgot the oh, thing was Jesus. here! <laughs> Feed me beans! <laughs> to feed him beans for him to not keep talking. Right. Uh, all right, all right, all right, all right. So even though they had their talking life-size Yodas, there were problems on the horizon. Problems like Whoopi Goldberg and flus. I'm very excited to uncover this mystery. Flus was Bean's main competitor. The oh. main difference being that flus could also be bought directly from flus in the form of gift certificates, uh, right? Like Visa cards, right? right? Um, so you... But you can only use them to purchase things at uh, established retailers. But you Got can it. like take the card in. You can take the card in to the store, right? Right. Mm, interesting. Which is it makes it makes flus fundamentally more flexible than beans. Right. But it also makes them closer to being a currency. Right. <laughs> yeah. That illegal territory. Yes. Following shortly on the heels was a variety of other copycats, like MyPoints, NetCentives, CyberGold, InternetCash.com, and even X.com, which would later become PayPal. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, there was like... Mmm, yes. There was an explosion of, like, 
like we can be an internet currency too yeah <laughs> we have money therefore we can also do this yes <laughs> beans had competition and their demographic of mainly 13 to 18 year olds had a choice to make oh that's interesting like that's, that's the demographic i guess it makes right, sense it was, though. right well it's um one thing that you saw a lot was people buying it was like young people doing internet shopping uh, to buy toys mm. that was actually a huge part of their market and especially like um like home electronics vendors that sold game consoles Got that it. was like big big money right back in 1988 or 1998 and that was where most of beans's uh, revenue came from was from 13 to 18 year olds interesting but beans's main advantage had always been its ease of integration if you were a retailer, getting in on the Beans game was as simple as adding a scant few lines of code. Mm. Consumers downloaded a Beans counter, which kept track of their beans in real time. It was like a little uh, desktop app. Mm. The goal now for Beans was rapid expansion. They had to capture the foreign markets before their competition could. And this required capital, which they got from investors to the tune of an additional three... $39.9 million in June of 2001. Wow. And this is where the cracks begin to show. Mm. For instance, their new greater Chinese offices were ran by a Chinese firm who signed an exclusivity deal with Beans. Instead of selling Beans themselves, they would purchase Beans from the New York office for a discount, but would uh. retire their Beans back to New York at the original half-cent rate thus eroding revenues. Right. A similar situation was done for the Italy offices, and this was, but this was seen as necessary by Beans HQ, mm. who needed new contacts in these foreign markets. Right. So like, I'm trying to like wrap my head around this. So they were, they were purchasing, so, so they were giving these um, countries like a discount to have their yeah. partnership kind of thing? Basically, like, okay, so if... If you were a re if you were an internet retailer in the Chinese market mm -hmm. and you wanted some beans, um, you wouldn't actually be buying beans from the ChineseBeans.com. You would be buying beans from the New York Beans.com. Got it. Um, and instead of instead of buying them from a dollar, you'd be buying them at like um, like zero point eight cents, mm. meaning that it's it's cheaper for you. Yes. But there's uh, less profit overall for Beans New York, right? They're basically running at a slight loss. Okay, got it. Um, I mean, they should still they should still be making profit on this, but they're making like thirty percent less profit. Right. They're kind of playing like the long game, like getting these markets involved and like probably like eventually like cranking up the price. Yes, that's exactly like. I'm sure exact that was exactly what the plan was, was just start at a deficit and then crank up the price as we reach market dominance. Right. Right. Got it. That's pretty much standard business practice. Mm -hmm. um, but what it did was they, they're still running on VC. And so they're like, it's just, it's just an additional cost to something that should already be running on a budget, you know? Right. Charles Cohen described it as, quote, we really are running an economy and not just running a business. Wow. Which, like, dude, don't say that. Yeah. Like, because the regulators will shut you down. Yeah. 
This came after their August 2000 partnership with Mondex MasterCard, meaning beans could be credited automatically at ATMs. Mm. Wow. Right? So you'd get this this Mondex card, right? Which is it was sort of like a glory it was like a debit card that you could put stuff on, but right. you could you could charge it with beans and it would transfer to real money. Right. And that's huge. Like that's a huge like expansion for beans. Yes. That's massive. And um but it's another thing that makes it closer to a currency. Right. Sorry. At the beginning of the year, Beans was valued at $100 million. Wow. Um, it was now valued at $450 million, <sighs> with 2.3 billion beans in circulation. <laughs> so many beans. Too many beans. Yes, the beans must circulate. <laughs> That's what I like to see. That's what I like to see. Bunch of beautiful beans in circulation. Waiting for the right moment to strike. (laughs) (laughs) Never can trust these circulating beans. In 2001, the dot-com bubble burst. So this is from a wonderful article by uh, Connor Grant for The Hustle. Buckled into a leather chair on his chartered plane, Charles Cohen broke into a cold sweat. None of Cohen's 256 employees knew it, but his company, Beans, the world's largest digital currency, stood on the brink of collapse. Now, Cohen was flying to the company's 15 global offices, most of which he'd never even set foot in, the business had boomed so fast, to assess the damage. After raising millions in venture capital, battling rivals with mega-celebrity sponsors, and dodging Russian hackers, Beans would be bankrupt by the end of that year. Just six months before his airborne farewell tour, a cocky Charles Cohen strode into Beans' London office. Crowded with the swinging legs of an Elvis clock, the half-deflated limbs of a pink party doll, and a Yoda statue belching garbled Star Wars phrases. The Afu resembled a flophouse for gamers who just left their mom's basements and bought whatever the fuck they wanted. I, I love that phrase, yeah. just a flophouse for gamers. That's great. But somehow, Cohen and his team had raised $86 million from SoftBank, Apex Partners, Vivendi, Oracle, and other big VC firms. Notice the SoftBank uh, mention. Yes, I was going to mention. Like, yeah, look at that, SoftBank. They got here, and they got uh, they got WeWork. Yeah. They got a lot of fingers and a lot, a lot of pies. Mm, some delicious beans pies. <laughs> Bean pie. Better put some hair on your chest. Ain't nothing better than a good bean pie. <laughs> Just a, I feel a little like, salt. A little I feel English like us salt. talking about this... We're like, this is like how they write two ogres in a cartoon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and a car like a cartoon from like the late '80s or something. Right, right. This is right, like a Bebop and Rocksteady from Ninja Turtles, <laughs> except if they're both obsessed with beans and only beans. Yeah, yeah. That August, while his buddies cheered for Gladiator, the summer's blockbuster. Cohen opened his 13th office and pumped his billionth beans into circulation. (laughs) Just the (sighs) pumping beans sounds funny. Pumping some beans into circulation. (laughs) 
the 29-year-old had turned his crazy idea for a digital currency into a rocket ship. And, fueled by optimistic investors, he was headed for the sun. <laughs> Icarus style. Yes. Except if his, winds, if his wings were made of beans. Yeah, bean paste. Bean paste was used instead of glue. I hit on the quote, I hit on this idea of paying people for their attention and using microcurrency to reward people for doing things which were valuable on the internet, Cohen told us. Which, like, it's a pretty solid idea, honestly. Definitely. Like, rewarding people for their intention is actually, like, that's honestly a very, like, ethical way to do internet marketing. For sure. Like, here, like, have 50 cents worth of microcurrency for just, like, reading our ad. Yeah. Because, totally. like, when you compare that to the cost of advertising, that might not be terrible. No, absolutely. And you're mobilizing people and getting more free advertising kind of thing. Right. But I love the idea of just, like, paying people to watch ads. Yeah. Like pay, it's, it's just one step closer to paying people to purchase products. Yeah. It's, it's like those games that give you, like, you can buy tokens with your own money or you just watch this ad, you'll get a token or something. It's like... Oh, yeah. No, this is, like, this is the very, very beginning of that. Right. Like, there's... You can see the like the primordial like dinosaur versions of so many things that we take for granted today right. in this story. And they're just testing like this, them out. Yeah, well this eventually this gets into um like proto cryptocurrency type mm, stuff. Right. At the time, online payment wasn't mainstream, but everyone and their mother was excited to see it get there. And Beans seemed like the company to do it. Larry Ellison, CEO of Oracle, agreed. Beans.com is clearly an innovator by developing a true global internet currency, he told the Register in March of 1999. Endorsements like Ellison's encouraged 150 e-commerce partners to sign with Beans in the first five months. Wow. Uh, a bookseller named Bezos was among the few partners who turned Beans down, claiming to have his own online payment solution. He still had hair back then. Yeah. <laughs> Back before the war, it that lost. It's that, like that when you Jeff... in those like shows when they like go back in time and you see the characters, like you see a character you right, recognize a... like looking slightly younger, and they've got like right like a mullet or mustache. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except it's right, Jeff that, Bezos, back, the now richest the... man in the world. Back before the battle where Jeff Bezos lost his hair, which is where he <laughs> stole, which is where he st stored all of his empathy. <laughs> Got the source of off. his power and love. It's difficult to predict today just what the pitfalls could be for a scheme that seems to have winners on all sides. The Independent reported of Beans at the time, quote, but Cohen said the company is prepared for the unknown. So Beans did what any well-funded currency company would do. It invested heavily in growth, uh, pouring venture capital into everything from new markets to moonshot partnerships. Beans, like, okay, this next section is called Drinking the Currency Kool-Aid. <laughs> Beans paid up-and-coming tech companies to design products for the burgeoning business, claiming Beans would trade on cell phones, game consoles, interactive televisions, quote, the granddaddies of smart TVs, and uh, Mondex smart cards, the early digital wallet. Hmm. The company and its investors related boundless optimism. In 2000, Cohen told Time that he expected to see beans listed against major currencies within five years. After all, the whole world seemed to be betting on them. 
At one point, the UK's Financial Services Authority searched the Bean's offices to investigate the unlicensed, quote, Bank of Beans. The team merely laughed. Beans, <laughs> as they explained, were a radical alternative to money that would create ge- create a new generation of e-millionaires. Just imagine, like, the police raiding this office and then the guy, like, swivels around in his chair. It's like, <laughs> you have these no idea. M- these aren't money. They're a radical alternative to money. And they're going to create a new generation of e-millionaires. Come on, underlings, laugh at the dirty policemen. (laughs) 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 Policemen leave in shame. (laughs) (laughs) They're throwing tomatoes at the cops as they leave. (laughs) Pelt them with tomatoes. Be gone. (laughs) Just four months later, the trouble began. Quote, We decided we needed to be very careful where we spent our money, Cohen explained to the register after firing 25 employees in December of 2000. Red flag. He told reporters the company had plenty of cash left, but things at Beans were bleaker than Cohen admitted to the press. (laughs) Red flag. Red flag. But I I love his quote, uh, We decided we need to be very careful where we spent our money. Like... Now he's decided oh, yeah. to be careful. <laughs> yeah, you, you, it's already too late for you, dude. Right, we, we were just, we were just, like, we were just, like, throwing wads of cash into random storks and having <laughs> them carry the money to different investors. Yeah. But we've decided that we need to spend it more carefully. Like, oh, yeah, good idea. Talk about the air going out of the balloon, Cohen told us. Quite literally, our customers just disappeared. It wasn't that they started buying less. They just disappeared. (laughs) Meanwhile, at Flues, the shit really hit the fan. The company unknowingly sold $300,000 in currency to members of an organized crime (laughs) syndicate in Russia and the Philippines, forcing a a liquidity crunch that left Flues with the most creditors in bankruptcy history. (laughs) Wow, that sounds kind of scary, actually. Right. Well, it's like... Just remember, beans could be beans could be exchanged or flus. I'm sorry, could be exchanged for completely anonymous credit cards that you could spend at major retailers. <laughs> yeah, it's a recipe for it's disaster. Like, like literally asking for money laundering yeah. schemes. <laughs> then on August 16th, beans users received this message: "Quote the operation of the beans economy will be terminated on 1201 Eastern Standard Time on August 26th of 2001. No beans earning or spending transaction will be honored after that date. Thank you for participating in the beans economy. It reminds me of, have you ever seen the video of Ringo Starr um, making a video announcement that all fan mail will stop to please stop? He's like, I'm warning you with peace and love, all fan mail must stop <laughs> on this date, on the 4th of August. No more fan mail will be received. Why? Because <laughs> he, he had too much, he couldn't go through it all. <laughs> he was I guess so overwhelmed. I... The very same day, Flues announced its bankruptcy. The crypto craze looks awfully familiar. When entrepreneurs race to create products from cutting-edge tech, some have value, but many don't. Yeah. And like the beans bubble born out of an online payment, today's crypto craze is a response to powerful new technology. Right. Blockchain. Hmm. 
Blockchain is poised to revolutionize industries, but it's also unleashed a speculative tornado of titanic proportions. <laughs> in fact, cryptocurrency is even more overinvested than digital currency in Cohen's day. Right. Uh, Block.1 raised $4 billion in an ICO without telling its investors what its product even was. That is insane. Like, all you needed to do was have the word blockchain in your product description, yeah. and people would invest so much fucking money into right. it. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. Cryptocurrency is like a gold rush in the sense that there's a massive area of land that's just opened up, but nobody really knows where the gold is, Cohen says. Everyone just takes a patch and digs, but it's going to be some time before you see the winners and losers. Mm. And the interesting thing about the gold rush is that the people digging for gold were not the ones that made the money. Yeah. The people that made all the fucking money in the gold rush were the people selling picks and shovels. Yeah, and like uh, Levi's jeans, I think that's where they got their start, right? Yeah, right. It's it's never the actual craze that makes money. It's always the people facilitating the craze. Yeah, right, because you have a new boom of people to service. Right, and they've they've all showed up with all of this money, and they just want to spend it. Right, right. And they have to live and stuff too, but they've been relocated and, you know. Exactly. To identify which emerging tech companies will go the distance, you first need to distinguish novelty from innovation. Novelty, according to Cohen, is when you, quote, make something just because some idiot's going to buy it off you. Innovation is an application of technology that has some value to people. Ah, uh, yes. Which, like, I mean, very true, yeah. honestly. It's playing the long game As, rather than just, like, how can we make money, you know, like, now. Right, right. It's um, the exact opposite of the Firefest guy. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And more often than not, simple solutions outlast fancy fixes. Again, another thing that has become extremely true when doing this podcast. Yeah. Short-term profit is never a good idea. Short-term profit is the first stepping stone towards bankruptcy. Absolutely. Like, I don't know if you've seen um, The Social Network, but there's like oh, a, no, a really good quote in that where just, uh, Justin Timberlake's character, uh, so they're trying to discuss how to like monetize Facebook, and then they're t one of the characters is saying, like, we need to run ads on Facebook. We need to, you know, we're going to make a million dollars tomorrow. And then Justin Timberlake says, like, you know what's cooler than a million dollars? A billion dollars. And so he uses that to, like, kind of justify this, like, let's wait and don't put ads. Let's play the long game. Like, how can we make this last in the long run rather than just trying to make money now and then turn everyone away because we're running ads all over Facebook immediately? Exactly. Yeah. No, that's, like... Playing the long game is what makes these empires. Right. That's why so many companies are running at a deficit, like for their first, you know, you know, five or six years. Right. No, like Amazon, Amazon ran at a deficit until like 2018. Right. Which is crazy. Which is insane. They lost so, so much of, money. Yeah. But then they more speaking than gained of, it, like gained it all back. Right. Right. It just instantly, because now they actually had this they actually had a platform where it was like, all right, we're here. We've proven that it's profitable. And then the profits just start flowing in. Yeah. Speaking of Amazon and visa beat beans by using new technology to fix an antiquated system, mm. not by inventing an entirely new one. Right. This time around, 
Cohen expects the same process to unfold, resulting in a few regulated exchanges and companies built around practical solutions. Right. Right. This is Cohen talking about what he learned at Beans and how it applies to cryptocurrency. Ah, nice. Right. But that's that's so true. Like, people will always go for something that is, like, the old stuff that's been adapted than something entirely new. Absolutely. Yeah, it's familiarity plus, like, convenience and ease. Uh, Plus experience. Right. Already, Coinbase and Circle, two large digital currency platforms, are racing towards regulation to capture bigger revenue. Mm. Telegram, the second highest funded ICO after Block One, is using is using channeling its uh, 1.7 billion dollars into improving its secure messaging app. Mm. They're like spreading out, right? Yeah, they're trying. Like they're. Yeah, whatever. But when we asked Cohen which cryptocurrencies uh, he had invested in, he chuckled like an uncle who's seen it all before. (laughs) 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 Quote, I absolutely do not have any money in cryptocurrency, he says. Funnily enough, I now work in the gambling industry, but I don't gamble with my own money. There will be winners and losers in the crypto gold rush, but this time... Cohen won't be the one picking them. Uh. Like, I I love that because Cohen was like, I've learned my lesson yeah. and you guys are idiots. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. Like, and he's the smartest one in the room because he's been like humiliated and brought down and he knows exactly what's going to happen. Well, failure teaches. Yeah. Right? Like, there is there is no success without failure. Right. That's how you learn. And boy oh boy has charles cohen learned yeah exactly and it seems like he's benefited from it which is awesome and he's actually oh hugely changed and learned i mean it depends what he's doing in the gambling industry yeah I mean, it's like <laughs> have you joined the mob yeah exactly but at least he's like you i mean he's like seems like a very smart person now right right well because remember behind all of this is a solid business plan right yeah <laughs> amidst all the chaos the bean chaos <laughs> amidst, amidst the wild bean circulation yeah. beans being lobbed at every passersby every every which way yeah getting them beans is face well, full of beans beans's main customers were internet retailers the main commercial victim of the collapse right with all of them rolling back or packing up and closing their doors people rushed to cash in their beans putting in putting incredible strain on Beans's business model, right? Yeah. Around November of the same year, Flues had to close its doors after it was revealed that a large majority of their business was money laundering. <laughs> Which Beans, it, isn't surprising. Yes. Beans and the underlying technology was later purchased by the Carlson Marketing Group. Mm. This technology is seen today in many online retailers. Mm. Beans, like all the e-currencies of its time, was dead. But in 2010, the Beans.com website held a contest for a new logo. The winner looked exactly like the old one. (laughs) That's good. The website is covered in vague explanations of what happened, as well as vague indicators that they may just be coming back one day. Big beans are coming. Big beans are coming. New beans. We'll be back. Beans too. 
we'll be back. <laughs> the sequel to Beans. And then you'll see the power of Beans. The true power of Beans. We're gonna, we're gonna learn you about Beans. <laughs> you'll be tasting Beans for a week. <laughs> so, that more or less wraps up the actual, like article I had. Yeah. But I just wanted to I just wanted to sort of wax poetic about the uh like beans.com was something that could only have happened during the dot com boom. Yeah. But a lot of the articles that I read about it were like, oh this is a fantastic idea. It's like if only they had started after two thousand and one. Yeah. Right. And because it again, it was like solid business idea. It may just have lasted. Yeah. You know, if maybe if they didn't expand so rapidly and they just decided to sort of like chill out, work on their core market, really integrate, like really dominate one market and then start expanding. Yeah. Just really bad timing. Right. But part of me thinks that beans.com could not have happened without the dot com boom. Right. You know, it's like this is. Beans.com is so. Like, it's so... It's such an example of the dot-com boom. Yeah. And so I'm I'm really not sure if Beans could have taken off in any other environment. Right. I think it was just doomed from the start, honestly. Right. It's just like, it's like the catch-22 of, like, it couldn't have been born without the internet boom, and it couldn't have survived the internet boom anyway. Exactly. Exactly. So I guess consider this a requiem for Beans. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna lay the Beans requiem to rest. for a Beans. <laughs> All right, I think I think that about wraps up beans. Awesome, yeah, that was that was crazy. Like I think I've heard the name before, but like uh, that whole story, I've like never even like heard of that, which is crazy. When I ran across it, I was like, "What the fuck is beans.com?" Yeah. Right. Like I had no idea what this was. Right. Like one of the biggest companies of that whole like era in business. Right. Oh yeah. Well, and the thing the thing with beans.com is that everyone talks about it as like you know being part of the dot com bubble but it's often talked about as only being like number 2 or number 3 mm. interesting and so there's plenty of uh there's plenty of material and so we're we are definitely going to have to talk about pets.com eventually <laughs> i will have a lot of fun with that because that one's like i like this was a really interesting story yeah. to research because it almost wasn't like anyone's fault that it failed it was really just like oh they overexpanded. yeah um, just caught up in a wave collapsed but i like this one because it was a it was just sort of like a little window into early internet history definitely but um a lot of other ones like a lot of these other companies boy oh boy do they like like they weren't just mistakes they were like real fuck-ups yeah nice well, i look forward to hearing about those as well because that was that was a lot of fun Excellent. All right. Thank you for the beans. I think that about wraps it up. Thank you, everyone. It's a quarantine special. Um, Yeah. I think it worked out pretty well. Desperate Acts of Capitalism Quarantine Edition. (laughs) Well, uh, thanks, everyone. Yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, We uh, love you. Goodbye. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Desperate Acts of Capitalism. If you like the show, please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or Stitcher. And if you really want to make us happy, you can leave us a nice rating or review. 
You can follow us on Instagram at Desperate Acts of Capitalism and on Tumblr, link in the show notes. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Desperate Acts of Capitalism.